Welcome to episode 157 of The Numbers Game. I'm Jace and I'm here with Nick and Marty. How are you going today, fellas? Going well, thanks, Jace. Uh, well, going okay. Got a new haircut uh, from a new place. The person didn't speak English and I've come out looking like a half-mangled rooster. And I'm not <laughs> sure what to do about it. Uh, when you're 52, you haven't got much margin of safety to play with. So I'm... Uh, I'm feeling adventurous, but feel a little bit self-conscious. So don't jump onto YouTube right now and uh, give me grief with uh, comments. But anyway, anyway, you can't see it in the audience, so that's okay. Nick, how are you? Your hair's looking marvellous. Can I just say? Uh, mate, short back and sides. Hasn't changed for about 35 years. So I, don't know, I actually don't think you look too bad, mate. It's yeah, maybe a little bit more spike, but um, I thought maybe you just changed your product or something. Yeah. yeah. I don't mind um, it. Yeah. Maybe Marty's is not good with change. Uh, uh, maybe. 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 A bit embarrassed to leave through the front door, but I did. I did. I was yeah. courageous. Yeah, I'll take good. a bit of confidence from Nick and I, mate. We think you look good and that's all that yep. matters. So. Thank you, mate. Feel better. Feel better. Looking good, Marty. And uh, you no, know, feel, feeling good, refreshed. I've just come off a, well, I say refreshed, but I've just come off a, a golf trip to Barn Boogle, which I do annually. So... Um, for anyone that's unsure, it's basically the Disneyland of golf. So if you are into your golf at all and you haven't been to Barn Boogle, um, make sure you jump online and book that trip. Unbelievable, but yeah, um, five games of golf in four days. So a bit bruised and battered physically, mentally, uh, the ego as well. But um, <laughs> we'll push through. Had some good moments. So that's all you can hope for, Marty. And uh, yeah, pretty Happy with the hairdresser at the moment, so things could be worse. Jace, how are you, mate? Mate, good, good. Uh, marathon training is ramping up. The London Marathon is fast approaching, so depending on when you're listening to this, but the April 2024 um, is fast approaching, and, yeah, the London Marathon's the back end, maybe the 21st. So Greg and I are running for um, Get Kids In... Or get, oh, geez, I've got to get this right. We're running for a charity, and I'll look this up as we go, but it's Get Kids Into Life or Get Kids Into Life. It's basically um, kids in wheelchairs, getting them into sports so that they can have fo- um, a bit of a bit of something to look forward to and a bit of purpose in life and, and energy and training. So um, especially at that younger age, if they are put into a wheelchair through an accident or a disability, um, just giving them you know, that outlet to have. So Greg and I are off to London for that. And the, yeah, the, the training's ramping up. So body's holding up. Okay. I'm, I'm not getting any younger, um, but so far so good. So yeah, the couple of 24s, 28s, few big long runs happening and then I'll start to tail back away. Um, I don't know all the terminology. I'm not a seasoned professional like Greg. I think we'll need to get him on for another interview. He's at his like 1,200 to 1,300 days straight running since that last episode. Um, if you're not familiar with it, go back through the Numbers Game catalog. There's an interview with Greg Bramich. He's my business partner at Future Advisory and yeah, he still hasn't missed a day of running. He'd be approaching yeah, 1,300 days straight now and going for a sub three-hour marathon. So this is a guy that three years ago was 17 kilos heavier and wasn't running at all. So it really shows you can reshape your life and, and do something different that you haven't done before. Inspirational, really. Unbelievable. Yeah, 100%. Anyway, so long-winded way of saying going well and uh, excited for today's episode, Nick, where uh, you know, the buzz has worn off a couple of weeks ago. We had the uh, Super Bowl 
And as the buzz from Taylor Swift and, you know, the Chiefs getting it done and the poor 49er fans that are all absolutely shattered, um, what have you decided to unpack for us today? Well, I thought um, it was worth unpacking the cost of tickets to go to the Super Bowl. Um, yeah, I think if you, if you, if you didn't see what's hap- what was happening around Super Bowl time, you're, you're living under a rock. Taylor Swift has just bought a, uh, a whole other level of supporters, which I'm sure the NFL... Uh, I'm more than happy for, but it just seems every year um, that it's more and more Aussies uh, not not only getting into the spirit of watching the game, but also appear to be going over to the Super Bowl to watch the game. So, um, what has baffled me though in speaking with some people that I that I know who have gone and uh, I'm looking at some package to go packages to go over is the price of their ticketing system and or the price of their tickets and the whole ticketing system and um, for anyone who is unaware most sporting events in america work on a supply and demand system so um, the reselling of tickets is quite normal over there unlike in, in 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 australia and if you want to go to big events you need to pay big money um so the the NBA is a really good example. Jason, you're a big NBA fan, but um, as you get closer to the point end of the season, uh, call it playoffs, tickets seem to go up and up and up. Um, but with the Super Bowl, seeing such a big being such a big event, um, only being uh, one event per annum, the tickets are absolutely out of control. Uh, Marty, want to hazard a guess at the average price of a Super Bowl ticket in the year 2024 that has just been. Remembering it was in Las Vegas, you know, adult Disneyland. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, I, I, tier two on the MCG is probably about a hundred bucks on a big game. So surely we're in that ballpark, Nick, aren't we? <laughs> the average price paid uh, to go to the Super Bowl in the year 2024, and most of the tickets, a lot of them, I'll just um, say, a, a lot of them include packages where you, you know, get drinks and parties around the Super Bowl, but the average price was $12,000 US to go to the Super Bowl to watch the 49ers uh, versus versus the Chiefs. Um, So I read that and I thought, impossible. There's got to be other options. Um, So there is other options, uh, which is the normal tickets that are released. Um, So... Before anyone got involved from a reselling point of view, and you know we go down the the economics uh, supply demand road um, for a ticket in the nosebleed section, as we would call it in Australia, nine hundred and fifty dollars US, uh, all the way up to nine thousand five hundred dollars uh, for tickets that are pretty close, uh, pretty close to the ground. So. But what you have then is you have people buying these tickets, professionals buying these tickets and reselling them because that's the thing that's done. Um, there are access to tickets through um, NFL employees, um, coaches and players also get access to tickets, but they also resell them um, at exorbitant prices to to the point where the average punter and you know the poor San Francisco 49ers fan um, who lives and breathes the 49ers um, needs to play 10K to go and watch their team in the grand final. A um, couple other things. That's a little bit higher than normal this year because it is Vegas. Vegas is obviously a town where people want to go. Um, so, you know, they don't just go there to go to watch the NFL. What would have been surrounding the Super Bowl at Vegas would have been 
possibly the best weekend of your life if that what mm. you're in that's what you're into. So people would have paid overs. Um, you know, you're close to areas like LA, so you've got a lot of celebrities and whatnot that um that would like to attend. Um you've also got the the stadium in Vegas hold, only holds sixty thousand. Uh, I think the stadium they had last year hold just around seventy thousand. Just ten thousand less tickets, so that wouldn't have made a massive difference. Um, I thought well, that what was it, what else was interesting was you know those who watched the game would have seen Taylor Swift cross yeah. to quite a lot. Um, she was in a box, so a box at the NFL was uh, Super Bowl was one point two million dollars for one of those boxes if that's what you chose. Wow. So big, big, big money. That's one point two million US. Which is one point eight five million AUD at the moment. I was yeah. one point eight five million to sit in a box and watch the Super Bowl. I've got more on this, but I I just wanted to open it to you boys because it it made me just think about um how different it is here in this country. And I listen to SEN quite a lot and during the AFL season there is so much talk back uh on ticketing, on complaints about the price of tickets particularly around grand final time and finals time, particularly in the last few years when you've had some big names like Richmond and Collingwood and Carlton um, in big names. And, you know, if you if you were listening to SEN at any stage throughout the final series, there would have been complaints you would have heard around ticketing, who gets access, um, how the price goes up because they get scalped. Um, I think it's no secret that AFL players do get handed tickets and, yes, they do sell them um, for cash. This actually does happen. So... I just I thought about our country and imagine the uproar if it was purely supply and demand. Game on. Mm. Whoever wants them, whoever wants to pay the most for them gets them and that's it. Could you imagine what we'd be dealing with in this country? There'd be riots on the streets, I would have thought. I saw the Australian Open this year. The tennis had dynamic ticketing. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, the sooner you got in, the cheaper it was. But then as seats were taken, the prices went up. It's probably, I don't know if that's happened previously. First time I've seen it, but it got a bit horrendous once you got to the, you know, the ladies men's final on that premise as well. So that, but I, I think it's interesting, Nick, because it is a world now event and, and I go, it's a bucket list event. So it's like the fact is they can put the price up and they're filling the stadium. doesn't mean it's right, you know, for the average punter. But they've got something now. You talk about Disneyland, same concept. You know, they keep putting the prices up. People st- more people keep coming. And I go, if I was going to go to the Super Bowl for one year, you know, that's a big expense, but that's a, that's a bucket list thing. And you go, where else are you going to spend that money to do things like that? You go, if you love sports, it's a signature product. So... Yep. I don't agree with the price. I'd like to see more people get in on a lower price, but they can they can demand that, which is um, you know credit to them too to be able to create such a spectacle. Well, it does make you wonder as well as we start to see dynamic pricing for the Australian Open, and there's a few ticket like legitimate ticket resale sites now popping up in Australia. Um, when you know, does the AFL Grand Final become the ability to do that to have these legitimate ticket resales? I know for the Swans Geelong game the other year. Casey's a Swan supporter, and you know we were we were messaging, doing the Facebook post, the Instagram story, saying, "Hey, you know we're we're chasing tickets. We're happy to pay whatever." And all of a sudden, you're in these private conversations, going, "Yeah, I want a thousand bucks, you know, eight hundred, whatever." And you know, if this was just able to go onto a resale site, pay based on supply and demand, and, and get it done, I'm not saying it's right, but 
that almost feels better to me to have a verified place like StubHub. You know, I remember back in the States in 2020, we went to a um, hometown derby between the Clippers and the Lakers and LeBron James was playing Kawhi Leonard, um, Paul George, you know, I don't know if they were there. Yeah, they were there at the time. Anyway, whoever was there, but LeBron James was definitely there. It was the hometown derby and the ticket prices, you know, to rebuy somebody else's seats a few rows from the front were ridiculous, but it was just the norm. If you wanted to buy a ticket to a, to a more popular game, you paid more money based on supply and demand. Um, so it'd be interesting, you know, imagine Anzac Day, Bombers, Bombers in Collingwood. It's a sellout most years. If people want the tickets more than somebody else, should you have the ability to resell it and make a bit of money back on, you know, if you've been paying an AFL membership for 10 years and you barely go to a game, should you be able to legally resell your ticket? Jace, you know, we, we haven't won a premiership, obviously, for 23 <laughs> years, an absorbent amount of days. But yep. how much would you pay to see Essendon play, play in the grand final? You would, if you had the money available, you would, you would find out what that, what that ticket was worth, wouldn't you? I think the price is in the thousands. Um, and obviously, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd want to make sure the Bombers are a good chance to win. But if we made it there, it's always that thing as well. Like I've got a mate that went to the Super Bowl. He's a 49ers fan, like massive 49ers fan. And he's just dropped... Whatever he dropped to get over there and see it, and the year before, another mate went to see the the Eagle, um, Philadelphia Eagles, and they also went. They lost. So it's that like, you can spend thousands of dollars for the chance to see your team succeed, and they lose, and you're left with that double, double, I guess, uh, whammy of you've spent a bomb money wise, and mm. you're just devastated and depressed that your team lost. But also, then what happens if you're not there and you miss yeah, out on that, that feeling, that once in a lifetime potentially for some people, especially if you know you're a Saints fan or a Bulldogs fan and whatnot, like these are once in a lifetime things that have happened so far. We paid 400, I think it was 450 bucks each for Charlie Cole and I to see Ash Barty play in the final because we knew that it was a significant event. So mm. we dropped a grand on that, but it was significant. But we won't go and do other, you know, just generic crap during the year. We'll actually save up for those moments. So when it's significant, we want to be there because that's memories to last a lifetime. So it's um, so it depends where you're at and what you want to do. Mm. But I, I think they're the things that sort of stay in your memory as well. And she won, so of course it was exciting. And then mm. she retired, and it was like, oh my goodness. We'll never get to see that again. So to me, that was a you know signature moment. But I still nearly choked when I purchased the ticket and spent that money, right? But mm -hmm. even though it was you know part of the plan, so it, it's an interesting dynamic. It's an interesting one. <laughs> yeah, well, you both know I'm an Adelaide Crow supporter, so I paid an exorbitant amount of money for tickets to the 2017 Grand Final, and I won't tell you how much because you won't believe me. But I think post. That, that was the first year Richmond got in. Mm. So that's when the ticket pricing went out of control. Uh, you know, it was bought from someone who didn't pay that amount of money. Mm -hmm. uh, that's for sure. So, uh, and they lost. So shocking day. But, geez, if they had have won and I wasn't there, um, I would have been absolutely kicking myself. And I think to your point before, Marty, it becomes about the experience. And if you've got the money and you can do it, then why not? But. I guess what it what it really points to is that in American sports, as as much as the fans do drive the sport, um, or the money in the sports, as so many people, it's all about the money, and that's really the end of the story to a degree. 
Um, and I just think it's a different expectation. It's, that expectation is there in the States. We don't have that expectation. Um, a really interesting factor, Marty, you, you're going to love this, but um, the NFL in, 2000 start, in 2013 started a, pro, a private equity fund called 32 Equity um, that started to invest in groups that used uh, or that we that used NFL products or that were were, were related to NFL. Um, so an example is um, a, a data um, a data company like a stats business uh, that did NFL stats. So they basically created created their own equity fund, but then invested in other businesses. One of the um, businesses they took a stake in is called On Location. Now On Location gets allocated eleven thousand NFL tickets. Per annum, so in 2024, on location, uh, got allocated 11,000 NFL tickets, which then got sold. And on location sends uh, sells packages, so you know the accommodation and everything around that. So again, it's all about the money. The NFL, and they've done that to boost the return uh, to their teams. So they're saying that equity fund has boosted the average value of NFL teams to 3.48 billion. So the NFL is looking at ways they can get more money to, the, to their clubs, which means players, everyone gets more money. And by doing that, they're investing in businesses that are benefiting off the NFL product. Now, could you imagine if the AFL did that? And I, and I know that they do do it in some, um, in, from a betting sense with some of mm. the betting companies, but this stuff is common knowledge over there and it just doesn't seem to be a problem. And it's just, again, that different mentality that they have over there. But how brilliant is that? Well, we're supplying the entertainment. We're supplying the product. If you're, you as a business are going to benefit in it, here's some money to grow your business, but we want to take a stake in it. And then they're yeah. bringing that back in. Like, I just thought that was another level. I'm not sure about just, allocating the 11,000 tickets to on location, mm. but it's all coming back to the clubs anyway and the NFL anyway. Does it feel a bit high risk, high reward? Because you're relying on the popularity of the NFL to then you know, carry forward to these other ventures. But I suppose, you know, if if the business is already ready-made and already popular, then there's probably not a lot of huge risk to it. If you're sense. allocating them 11,000 tickets, how can you go wrong? Next yeah, year, true. just give them 15,000. Yeah, <laughs> so I suppose you, you, can control, you can control the market, I guess, which is, it seems almost... Yeah. Could you imagine, wrong, but could you imagine our footy clubs diversifying into other companies and, you know, building a, you know, entrepreneurial empire? Underneath yep. the brand, I mean, it's just not in our psyche from what we understand it to be. But mm. you got to love mm. the US, you know. They'll sell deri derivatives off stocks and options. And, yeah, you know, all, it's very entrepreneurial. I know ten plus years ago when Zero came out, any accountant that believed Zero was going to be amazing invested in shares in Zero, and they've gone ten x or and more, like. If you got in really early, you're a hundred. You're almost a hundred x if you bought those first couple of bits of shares. So it's, is it like you know, if you know the industry, you believe in the product, and then you invest in the you know the things that are around the ecosystem. Mm. That, that's that's incredibly clever of the NFL to do that and control yeah, yeah. it. Almost a bit manipulative, but yeah. yeah, you know, and and you know, you know, will we see that happen in Australian sport? That more of that will start to roll out because it always feels like. In some ways, Australia can be ahead of the US in some things that kind of seem obvious, like coffee, obviously brilliant. But then 
you look at stuff like this in the US and go, oh man, you know, Australia's got got a long way to go to learn how to get sport to, you know, you look at the halftime show entertainment in the Super Bowl, you know, mm. Usher baby, mm. like absolutely mm. smashed it. Mm. And what do we get? Meatloaf. So, yeah. Yeah. you know, Australia, yeah. Australia's continuing to catch up. It's been a bit better in, in the years post Meatloaf, but uh, yeah. still or, a long way to go. Or, or a 30 day subscription to KO or something like that. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's about the extent. <laughs> they they, they, they do deliver an entertainment product so much better than us. Um, mm. Look, I, I think it's worth noting that there is, um, they're not happy about it. And that this article that I read was uh, mainly referring to legitimate ticket brokers because, as I've said, ticket resales was a big thing over there. So legitimate ticket brokers were saying that in the past they would simply buy tickets, make a small clip. It might have been, you know, they bought the ticket for 900 They might sell, I'm just giving you an example here, sell it for $1,500, $1,600, and that's how they ran their business. But now with the NFL giving tickets to uh, the package businesses, these brokers can't make that kind of money anymore. Um, so this was a CBS News report that I read. Um, and the reporter, and take this with a grain of salt, but the reporter had uh, one broker call in apparently um, who knew that the, the story was being run um, and said this year they drove um, to a NFL employee's house and did an $85,000 cash exchange for a ticket. This is one of the ticket brokers. Um, and it wasn't uncommon to be heading to the game with a million dollars of cash uh, ready to buy a ticket. That's the sort of stuff. And, I, and you know, we think about that and we go, oh, wow, you know, that doesn't make sense. But you look at the, the money that's in that country um, and the money that people are making and this is the sort of stuff, crazy stuff that's, that's going on. It's just mind-boggling, but... Imagine going there with a million dollars just ready to scalp a ticket out the front. Um, that's, yeah. yeah. Crazy stuff. And being an NFL employee, and oh, I've just got this ticket, I could probably sell it for 85K cash. And if the NFL did, it did say the NFL is trying to crack down on that, but it's impossible. Um, the AFL says that players don't do it, but of course they do it. But, but um, I had I had a situation back in I think it was 2007 when Geelong um, won the flag against I think it was was Port Adelaide might have been Port Adelaide they they won their them. first flag for a while smashed mm. them and Essendon was selling a box they were trying to sell a corporate box for thirty five thousand and I had a contact in there going we can't move the box we've rang everyone no one's interested um, and it got to two days before the granny and they said do you want it for eight thousand. Now, I'm shaking in my boots because I'm going, oh, it's eight grand, eight grand. But then I go, you know what? I know footy fans. So I got the box for eight grand. And then I said, have you got the list? I want a list of all the Geelong supporters you've been in touch with. So I then ended up selling the tickets for a thousand bucks for each seat. Plus, Cole and I got to go to the grand final for free. So, <laughs> so talk about demand. I virtually doubled my money. On, um, but it was, but look at the risk though. It was two days before, and I just happened to be invited to a football luncheon where I sat next to the guy who had that list. So I said, "Could you could you share the list?" And rang those Geelong supporters. They're going for a thousand bucks. Absolutely, we weren't willing to pay, you know, three grand a ticket. But this is, yeah, this is a dream for us. So yeah. talk about. Demand the original there, ticket shark of Australia. Absolutely. Absolutely. Ticket shark. But it was such a great thing because I'd always wanted to go in style to a, to a granny and, um, 
And it was just one of those great moments where, like, Cole and I were laughing, thinking how how good is this? We've actually been paid eight grand to come and watch the granny. And that, that was the, your first granny experience? My first, yeah, my first, yeah, full-fledged grand final. Yeah. So oh, it was it was it. unbelievable. And and the guys that were in, like one wow. one person bought eight tickets right off the back, um, oh. avid Geelong supporter. So I knew I'd I knew I'd got my money returned pretty much within a couple of hours. And then the rest was a bonus. I didn't really care oh. after that, but it was um, but I think it comes back to the principle that the demand is there at the right price, but there's such demand in the US, you can you can dictate that price at a higher level. So we probably got it for a third, sold it for double. Um, that's a win. Um, that, like I said, they they maybe get something for eighty five grand. They're probably on sell it for a million. You, you go, it's endless as long as the demand's there, and that's a global event. You know, that's that's a global event. So I can I can imagine that would happen quite often. Oh, definitely. Any closing remark, Nix? I'm I'm just torn. I don't know if it's right or wrong. That's that's probably the closing remark I have. Yeah. Um, to one degree, I think it's right. Um, because I think you know if people are willing to pay, and the NFL's trying is a business, um, <clears throat> and you can still get entertained via you know TV and whatnot. Um, but on the other foot, I think about you know the the people that can't afford those tickets that support the the franchises um, being the teams and, you know, rock up to the home and away games all the time. And, you know, they are, you know, the fans are the club as all the clubs will say. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm torn, but I'm probably leaning towards, I think it should be, I think it should be at least accessible to some degree for those loyal fans. And I don't know how you justify who's loyal or not. And the thing that we need to remember about the U S is it is such a big population. Yeah. So unlike our country, you can have it as fair as you want. You'll never get everyone happy because yeah. you just cannot get, you can only get a certain amount of people into a stadium. So maybe that's part of the driver. We're never going to keep people happy because we just can't keep up. You know, we just don't have the the seats in stadiums. So we've got to make it a revenue thing. So No, it's a great point. And look, if you are listening and you've enjoyed the unpack of this, we're keen to hear your uh, thoughts on this and your your uh, experiences. If you've been involved in the secondary ticket market at the moment, we know Taylor Swift has done the rounds in Australia and tickets were going bonkers. Keen to hear your thoughts, uh, numbers game listeners. You know, what do you think of secondary resale sites? Should it be the way to go in Australia? Have you had experience with the dynamic pricing of the AO and uh, anything to do with NFL, NBA? or AFL we'd love to hear from you you can send us an email hello at the numbers game podcast.com.au and you could also reach out to Jason or Marty on socials LinkedIn Instagram and the numbers game page if you haven't already give it a like give it a follow review us on Apple or Spotify and thanks again for listening it's been brilliant to have you here until next time if you want to go to the next grand final just give me a call game over <laughs> 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 <laughs>